0: Amen. So, you guys have picked a great day being God's house. I'm excited. We are officially in December. So, that means Christmas is officially upon us, which is mind blowing to think that we are at the the end of this year of 2023. Hope and pray you're finishing well. And Christmas is an amazing time of the year. And I want you to remind yourself that we do all the things that we do at Christmas because Jesus is the raisin, right? Who's ever heard Jesus is the reason for the, and that, that, that's totally true. Don't, don't get overwhelmed by doing Christmas the way the world does Christmas. You know, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's that's let's worship the King of Kings this Christmas. And I hope and pray that all the things that you do as you celebrate Christmas, you're not just doing them for the sake of because the world does it this way, or I'm going to do it this way because so-and-so does it this way. Worship Jesus this Christmas. And I'm excited as we kick off our, our Christmas series this year, because this is going to be unlike any Christmas series that we've probably ever done here at Liberty Church. It's going to be a very powerful Christmas message. And it's, it's going to be, as I said, unlike anything we've ever done for Christmas, because it's not going to be your traditional Christmas warm and fuzzy, Christmas message. Y'all don't shoot the messenger, okay? And me and Pastor Keith have been talking and meeting and praying. And, and we just feel like with everything that is going on currently in our world, that the moment of Jesus coming back, who knows he's coming back? Amen. I'm glad that you know he's coming back, but who's ready, amen, who's ready for him to come back, amen, so the title of our Christmas sermon series this year is the Lamb of God, y'all say that with me, the Lamb of God, so as me and Pastor Keith were talking and praying for our church and all the world events that are going on, and I just we both feel like we want to explore this truth that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is. But we want to explore this truth of not just His first coming. We do a great job in the Americanized church to celebrate Jesus on Christmas, and we celebrate His first coming. right? Y'all know the story. Y'all know Luke 2 like the back of your hand. And we're going to read Luke 2, okay? But with all the events and the signs that are going on around us, I hope you know that it's getting closer by the day. And so this Christmas, we want to explore and celebrate what God has done through his first coming. But I want to equip you guys with truth so you can be ready. Come on, somebody. And equipped and prepared for his second coming. Because his second coming... Now, there's a lot of uh, questions and things up in the air and, and in Scripture. We, we, we know and understand the story of his first coming pretty well. But when it comes to his second coming, we got all these questions. And, and, and I, it means i got to read Revelations. And it means i got to pray that the Holy Spirit would teach Revelations to me and that I would be diligent in my studies. And I'm going to try to do a lot of the legwork for you. And what you do with the information that I give you is on you. To be ready and expecting for Jesus to come back because he is coming back. And Jesus is the Lamb of God. I want you to think about that. Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. I want you to look at that first point with us today together. Let's read it together. Look what it says. I want to start off with this first point and establish that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Look, it says, Jesus as the Lamb of God offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. He purchased our salvation and redeemed us from the power of sin and Satan. Jesus as the Lamb of God, he he is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the first. He is the last. He is the King of Kings. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the good shepherd. He is the light of the world. He is Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God that John, we're going to read here in a moment, said, Behold is the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. If you read your Old Testament, God declared to the Israelites on the very first ever Passover as the Spirit of God would come into to Egypt and, and wipe away every firstborn child. And he said to the Israelites as a word of warning to spread the, the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb on the doorpost of your home so that the spirit could pass over your home and that you would be safe. That's what the Israelites knew to be the, the lamb of God, the offering, the sacrifice For their forgiveness and for their protection. Jesus fulfills the old law. As he was born in the earth. He became the eternal lamb of God. Offering himself as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins forever. Somebody say forever. Forever. From now until he comes back into heaven and eternity and beyond. He has delivered us and freed us And set us free from the power of sin and Satan. Now that's some good news. The Bible says, for all those who believe are now a new creation in Christ. No longer dead to sin, but alive in Jesus Christ. Are you alive in Jesus Christ this Christmas? I guarantee if you are, people around you will feel the manifested love of God. Because you see, you recognize, you understand that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God... Offered his life so that you could experience life. In John 10.10, Jesus said, The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you may have. And he didn't stop there. He said life abundant. Some translations say life eternal. I hope you can buy into the, the fact and the truth and the thought that Jesus is the Lamb of God. I want to read scripture with you together today. We're going to give you a lot of scriptures today. Who loves the word of God? Amen. Amen. I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit would teach his word to us today. Look at John 1. I just referenced this scripture. I want to give you 29 through 36 for the sake of today. Look there at verse 29. Let me stop for a second and just just say something about John. Now, the, the writer of the book of John is not John the Baptist. Did anybody know that? Okay, praise God, you Bible scholars. The the writer of of the book of John is the disciple John, the one that Jesus loved. And talk about the biggest humble brag of all time. He wrote that about himself. Come on, somebody. But in the book of John, we're talking about John the Baptist, actually Jesus' cousin. And people thought John the Baptist was the Lamb of God. People thought John the Baptist was the Messiah. He was a mighty man of God. And he was baptizing those in water and in faith and leading people into truth and preaching this message of repentance because he was, he said, I come to prepare the way for the one. Amen. Amen. Now, but I want you to look what, because I want you to understand what people thought of John the Baptist because it, when people begin to say you're the Messiah, could, you could go one or two ways. It could go to your head, right? <laughs> and you can make yourself God or you can have a humble, submissive spirit and just do what God called you to do. And John the Baptist was faithful, and he was good with being the preparer. And so look what John the Baptist declares of Jesus. You may recognize it from the title of our message. I didn't plan to say all that, but y'all got some context for the Scriptures to read it. Look at verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the what? I want you to highlight that phrase, that name of our Lord today. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said after he comes, a man who is prepared before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witnesses, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day John stood with his two disciples and the Excuse me, and looking at Jesus, he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God, the Spirit of God testified and 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 teached to John the Baptist before Jesus would come that the one I'm calling you to baptize anyone that believes in me in water, and the one that you baptize when the Spirit descends on him like a dove, he is the one that I am calling my son. He is the Messiah. And so the Lamb of God is the Son of God. The Lamb of God is the Son of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Look at that next point. So Jesus says the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he has reconciled us to the Father and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus came to accomplish a lot. Somebody say a lot. Put that in the chat today. A lot. And he accomplished a lot. Just in three and a half years of ministry, he came for the, Salvation of souls. He came for the transformation of souls. He came for the redemption of souls. He came to reconcile those that were blind, those that were lost, back into God's will, into the favor and grace of this new covenant that Jesus has paved the way in. He has come to reconcile all those who want to be reconciled. The first, excuse me, as we're going to talk this Christmas about Jesus' first coming and his second coming, as I just explained, just a few things that Jesus accomplished the first time he came, the biggest thing you got to understand is that upon Jesus' first coming, it was intended to... Reconcile souls to bring people back to God. The second time he comes back, the reconciliation process is over. The second time he comes back is solely intended to gather those souls that he reconciled. The day of mercy and grace, the moment Jesus opens that first seal, and He's worthy to be the Lamb of God who opens the seals on the scroll. We're going to read all of Revelations chapter 5 today. The moment that first seal is cracked, time's up. The story that you've wrote for your life and your family and your life of faith It ends, on the day of judgment, there is going to be a lot of wailing, a lot of excuses, and a lot of regrets. On the day of judgment, Jesus, it says that all those whose names were not written in the, the what? Lamb's book of life. We're thrown into the fiery pit. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If it is, praise God. And Jesus' second coming doesn't have to be this event that we're scared of or terrified of. It can be this thing that we're expecting, that we understand signs have to line up and have to happen. Because if you've been reconciled, you know it. When he built your life up from from nothing, when you were steeped in sin and, and, and self and you were following the devil and you were living like the devil and then something happened and you came into truth and you said, you know what, I need Jesus Christ in my life, everything changed, right? And so if you've experienced that reconciliation process and our life of faith is this daily transformational process that happens as we are born again when when that happens we understand how thankful we are and the cool thing is god doesn't come to just reconcile us our faith isn't just about us when he reconciles you he wants you to be a trumpet of truth for everybody else in your life right for your friends for your family for those people that you work with for people out in the world are, are you the light of the world and the salt of the earth that's what we're called to be is the bride of christ as, as Christians and, and children of God? Are you living a salty life? Right? Is there flavor, His flavor, in your life? Or you just live a gray, mundane life that just looks like everyone else in the world, just on autopilot, scrolling, through, scrolling on your phone, just bumping and stumbling around in the world? Or do you have purpose? Do you have contentment in your heart because Jesus Christ has saved you and transformed you and reconciled you? Turn in your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians. 5th chapter, I want to give you 17 or 21. We'll talk about reconciliation for a second. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new people in the house. Today, come on, Jesus. It says, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. Reconciliation, that's what that means. Reconciliation has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Y'all seeing a theme here yet? So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I want to read verse 20 again. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors God is making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal through those who've been reconciled, those who've experienced truth, those who've experienced the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the redemption of God, the redeeming power of God. And it says, We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. Y'all say that with me come back to God. That's what God requires of us on a daily basis to come back and stay back. If God has brought you back, can I ask you to do something? Stay back. If he's brought you back, stay back. And if he's he's brought you back, stay back and tell others to come back. Because Jesus... When he came the first time, did you know? As we're going to read in Luke chapter two, that the very earth that God created, the very creation of God, as Jesus is about to make his his first triumphant entry, his his entry as a little baby of flesh, the Spirit of God manifested uh, and came and dwelt the Word of God with the with with men that God has created. The very place he came to save didn't even have. Room for him, it says. Didn't even have room for the Son of God, the Savior of the world. That world, his his purpose totally designed to save, that world didn't even have room for him. So the Son of God, the Lamb of God was born in a stable. This Christmas and beyond, do you have room for him? Have you made room for everything else under the sun? You got room for the traditions, for the present buying, for the getting together with family. You have room for the stress and the anxiety you've made room for. You have room for, you fill in the blank today. Do you have room for Christ, the Reconciliator, the Lamb of God? And if you have made room, has He brought you back? And if He's brought you back, have you stayed back? And as you stay back, are you telling others to come back? Because that's the mission for us to be ambassadors of Christ beyond Christmas. 365. 365. Look at that next point. This is going to be the last point I want to talk about Jesus' first coming and establishing that he's the Lamb of God, and then I want to move on and start. We're going to dip our toes a little bit into his second coming today. But look at this point. It says, "It says Jesus as the Lamb of God brought peace and goodwill to all men. The Savior has been born. Salvation has now come to the whole world because Jesus came and dwelt with creation. There is now an eternal hope of salvation and truth." Because Jesus Christ is just that. A Savior has been born. Salvation is now available to any and all people. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're black, if you're white, if you are from wherever. It doesn't matter. Jesus has leveled the playing field and leveled the standard of God, and all it takes now is faith. If you can by faith believe that Jesus is, that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, and you can invite His presence into your life to begin to work and lead your life, lead your actions, begin to lead your words through the teaching of His Holy Spirit, then there is eternal hope. And that hope is for every single person in the entire planet. What are you doing with the revelation of that truth? Are you thankful? Is it something that that maybe you're thankful for but you've kind of, you've lost sight of? That's my prayer that this Christmas that we would come back to our first love which is Jesus. Because I know life can get crazy, and I believe in Jesus, and, and I'm thankful for Jesus. But somewhere along the way, I've, I've experienced all these bumps and these hiccups in life. And, you know, I, I'm just kind of going through the motions, and God, he wants, to, he wants to rejuvenate us, shock us back to life this Christmas. Because when you've experienced that, you understand that there's, there's real hope in your life, and no one can steal that from you. There's real joy in your life that no one can steal or take from and because of that, if Jesus can save you, he can save anyone. This Christmas, I know you probably know some people in your, your circle of friends. So you probably know some people in your family. You know what? They need some hope. They, they, ain't, living, they ain't living for God. They're not living for, for the Lord. And, and you know they need hope. If God could do it for you, he can do it for them. I would in, invite you to begin to pray for those types of people. And then beyond that prayer, maybe ask God, God, am I part of this person that I'm praying for? Am I part of their, their salvation? Is, is there anything you want me to do, God? Is there anything I can do to manifest your love in their life? Amen. And if there's anything that, that I can or can do for that, then God, be armed with a yes. And have the faith to say, God, use me. Look at Luke chapter 2. I promise you we we'll would read a, a bit of the Christmas story. I'm going to give you 8 through 14. So what it says. Now there were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone, shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and will toward men. In that moment, as the Savior entered into the world, into a world that didn't even have room for Him, peace, real peace. Think of that word, peace. Man, we all look for peace in all the wrong places, don't we? And it's not even real peace. It's it's a counterfeit peace that, that does not give or grant real peace. Jesus Christ is that peace, He said of Himself, that surpasses all. Understanding entered into the world. And did you notice it said peace and goodwill? Because when the Prince of Peace lives in your heart, you can experience and live with good will and good intentions. Holy, good, and pleasing will, God's will. It takes the Spirit of God. To live in here for us to do the will of God. Come on, somebody. And because Jesus came, we can do that. Because Jesus came, God's peace and God's goodwill has been forever until He comes back, offered to man by God in the form of a gift. What do we do at Christmas? We give gifts. Jesus was the first ever Christmas gift. I know this about gifts. If you get a gift, you open it. Has anybody ever got a gift and not opened it? I'm look at the side of the corner of my eye like this. So if you're here today, maybe you need Jesus to do a, a real work in your life. Have you opened that gift of his life? Because it's there for us every single day. A gift just waiting for us to activate. To open by faith. Say, Jesus, come in. We read about John the Baptist today. He said this of Jesus, not that he was just the Lamb of God. He said, but I must decrease so that he can increase. That's got to be our prayer every day. And if we do that, we experience his peace and goodwill. It was offered to man by God in the form of a gift. Before we look at a little bit of what it's going to look like when Jesus is, comes the second time, this first coming of Jesus is, is merry and bright and very unassuming. He comes in the form of an innocent baby, the dark of night, in a quiet country village, in a, a quiet, cold stable. Very unassuming, merry and bright, savior of the world. His second coming, for those who have prepared, it'll be merry and bright. But for the rest, somebody say the rest, it's going to be very ambiguous and daunting. Who remembers going to school? Some of you may be still in school. God bless you. Y'all remember having to take tests? Who's ever studied for that test in such a way that that morning or that afternoon when you had to take that test, you were excited because you knew all the answers. Right? You had prepared. You was almost waiting in anticipation to pour all your knowledge out onto that paper with the expectation that I'm going to get an A on this test. That's a good feeling, right? Who has ever done the opposite of that? When you showed up and you kept putting off, kept putting off, kept putting off, and the day the test came and you said, I'm just going to wing this. Taking the test as it Became clear you didn't know any of the answers. And in the pit of your stomach, you began to get very sad and stressed. Do you know that your life of faith is a lot like taking a test? And you don't have to be fearful of Jesus coming back if, somebody say if, you've been studying And preparing. Are you studying and preparing. For his second coming. Or are you just winging it. Because if you're just winging it. It's likely Jesus will say on that day of judgment. Depart from me. I never. knew you those are going to be the saddest three or four letters three or four words that anyone ever is going to hear because God knows if he knows you he knows you because he created you but he wants to know you intimately through relationship and only you know if he knows you because if he knows you you've opened your life like a wide gate and you say God you got all of me the good the bad the ugly if you're trying to hide something from God, we, we close off and, and we resist Him and His voice and His leadership in our lives. And if that's the way that you're living, something's got to change. And God's not mad at you. God loves you. It breaks His heart that you're closed off to Him because He wants to be involved in our lives. The first time He came, he came in as an unassuming, beautiful, magnificent little baby. The second time he comes, he's going to come like a king with an army on the clouds. And I would argue that both are merry and bright. I don't have to worry because I'm daily preparing my soul for him. Now, I'll look at that next point. This is where our Christmas sermon series is not going to be like our traditional Christmas sermon series, like I said. So we talked about Jesus as the Lamb of God. Talked about him, the things that he's established the first time came. Now we're going to kind of shift gears. So look what it says. Jesus says the Lamb of God will also usher in the great tribulation. Pastor Ian, that sounds very Christmassy. <laughs> You're welcome. The rapture, the millennial reign, the final judgment, a new heaven, and a new earth. As we open up Revelations here in a moment, I've been hoping and praying that as we read this scripture today, it's not like just a story, some far off words, but that we would see scripture as reality. Say this declaration of faith with me, these things. Will happen. Let's say that again. These things will happen. And the quicker you can realize these as truth and not just some story, then God can begin to use them for the benefit of your good. And for you to see it's not something you need to be scared of, but it's something you need to prepare for. Right? There is still hope in these things. The point of these things are for the redemption of God's people, right? Those who have been faithful. Jesus said to himself, I am also truth and justice. There'll be a day of justice. That should excite us, right? We've actually listed these things, for the most part, in order of the way that they will happen with the exception of one that is debatable, The rapture, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and I hope I can try and clear some of that up for us. But these things will happen basically in this order. The great tribulation, the rapture of his church, the millennial reign. The millennial reign is Jesus Christ will actually reign in the earth for a thousand years after he raptures his church. The final judgment, that will be after that where all souls are gathered in a moment. answer and bring an account of their lives a new heaven and a new earth some of you maybe didn't know that Jesus said that he actually said that uh, heaven and earth will pass away but my words will remain forever who knows Jesus don't lie and so there will be a new heaven and a new earth not tainted by sin come on somebody By greed, come on somebody. By murder and slander and hate. It'll be a pure, unadulterated, glorified heaven and earth with Jesus as supreme ruler and king. And he will rule in spirit and in truth. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And I hope you're going to be there. And I hope you lead your family there. And I hope you lead your kids there and your grandkids there. As I said, these things will happen and Jesus' authority will be executed. He came to exude his authority and to take his rightful place as the king of kings. If we say these things will happen, they are signs of Signs. You got to almost be just totally indoctrinated into the world to not recognize the things that are going on in our world. Who would have thought that just five or ten years ago we would literally be arguing about the gender of people? Isn't that the most fundamental truth that we have? In the world, what's the very first thing people say about you as you come flying out of your mother's room, and we're about to have a baby? Come flying out of Jessica here any time now. Before you used to, before you could now go ahead and find out what you're having. Before you had to wait till he or she was born, and the first words over those babies was, "It's a girl" or "It's a boy," and and just five to ten years. For ago about five years now we we are having arguments over such principled truth that blows my mind. When I used to read Revelations, I used to think, "Okay, God, I, I believe your word to be true, but you got to help me and teach me. How can you rapture your church and all these souls are going to disappear and everyone's just gonna just not bat an eye and the, everyone's gonna have to bear the mark of the beast?" And, and And every day that goes on, as the world gets crazier and crazier, as the world is literally hurling towards these events at rapid breakneck speed, I can see how all these things are very possible. How easy would it be for when Christ raptures his church, the world could just say, and most people would probably believe, In this, before they would believe in Jesus, they would just say, oh my gosh, aliens must have abducted all these people. And that makes us laugh and chuckle, but you know what? People will probably believe it. You know, sin will take you farther than you want to go, and the devil has you. You'll believe in aliens before you believe in Jesus. And they won't even know what they missed. Because when Christ raptures his truth, his church, you know what the church is? It's a, it's a voice of his truth. When he raptures his church, guess what is gone in the earth? The voice of truth. When Jesus raptures his church, the moment he begins to open those seals, the redemption of the Gentiles, anyone who is not pure Jewish blood or living the Jewish faith, that that period of time for the gentiles is over and those that are going to be redeemed that are left will be all about the nation of Israel so you better be able to speak really good Hebrew and you be able to be able to understand the Torah for you to come to know Jesus if you're left behind you better be a really good Jewish believer because that is going to be the only people delivering the message of truth when God raptures His church of truth. Jesus is Messiah, He is Judge, He is the Lion, and He is the Lamb. Can I prove it to you? Turn to Revelations chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. We're actually going to read the entire chapter. Well, with the exception of one verse, I think I left the 14th verse off. We're talking about these events. And for today, let me go back for just a second. The goal is for us to do a deep dive into each one of these events. And so for today, we're going to kind of just tiptoe into the first one, the Great Tribulation, because the Great Tribulation is the beginning of all these events, that first little domino that has to fall. Okay, So for the rest of today, we're going to kind of just hang around that the the truth of the great tribulation and what it means for us. But look what it says. Look at verse 1. So it says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it so i wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it but one of the elders said to me do not weep behold the what the lion, the lion of the tribe of judah jesus is the lamb and he's also the lion The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in a midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a what? Lamb, Lamb, the Lamb of God, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne Now he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, excuse me, to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them, who's 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are as in the sea and all that are in them. I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. The lamb, your God, is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to open the seven seals on the scroll. He is worthy to to enact the plan and purpose that God created him to enact and to be and to bring forward into existence. This is part of God's divine plan. So, I'm going to give you guys homework. For time's sake, we can't read a whole nother chapter of Revelations. But as I said, are you are you preparing for God or are you just... Wing in your faith. I want you to read the next three chapters in Revelations this week. Chapter 6, chapter 7, 8, and 9. Because we just showed you and read together that Jesus is worthy to open the seals. In the next chapter, it explains Jesus opening the seven seals. And with each seal that he opens, a part of the Great Tribulation begins to happen. What is the Great Tribulation, Pastor Ian? It's, it's the beginning of hell on earth. It's the the beginning of the Antichrist to rise to power. It's the beginning of poverty and famine and sickness and disease and wars and literal power shift happening. The power shift of America not being America anymore. When Jesus raptures his church... Babylon will fall, and you know America is the new Babylon. It'll be all about the nation of Israel, and the power shift will go from the west to the east. What has just happened in the last two months with the nation of Israel? Y'all know they're in war? Do you know what the purpose of the Antichrist is? To bring peace in the Middle East. So they're already in a war. The world already wants them to be what? In peace, to stop fighting. That is part of the Great Tribulation. The Antichrist will rise to power and there will be a spiritual and worldly power shift. And isn't that justice? Because our nation does not worship God. Our nation kills thousands of babies every year. Our government and its leaders do not worship God. They worship themselves in the spirit of mammon. We hold celebrities and actors and athletes to this high esteem, and we don't worship Jesus Christ. There are believers in our nation, but our nation is not making and building laws that reflect who God is. How do you topple a nation from within? How has the enemy accomplished all these things because he destroyed the family. Dads, it's on you to show your kids how to worship Jesus. Dads, it's on you to show your family how to lead well. I ain't saying be perfect, but show your family how to live for Jesus. The best hope that we have is that we do that for the family that we have now. Because every day we get closer and nearer for these things to begin to happen. And the sixth chapter of Revelations that y'all are going to go home and read this week is Jesus opens the seven seals. The first seal, he sees a white rider and a white horse who is Jesus, that he's coming. That's the first truth. The second seal is the flip side of that, it's a red, he sees a red rider and a red horse who is the Antichrist, the devil, who comes with a sword, it says. The third seal is a dark rider, a, a black rider and a black horse, which represents death and hopelessness. And then the fourth seal Jesus opens is the pale rider and the pale horse, and that signifies disease and famine and everything will be not just hopeless, it will be dark and gray. And then the, after the fourth seal, you'll read that there are actually souls underneath the altar of God, the ones that have been martyred for their faith, thousands of them. And they're praying and, and, and believing and asking God, is it our time yet? Is our time yet to, be, to, to, to descend on, on the earth with, with our king? And he says, the time has not come yet. And they close them in dazzling white, all the martyred souls. And then the craziest thing is, Jesus opens the next seal, and guess what happens in heaven? Anybody know? Guess. Silence. Heaven goes silent for a half hour. And you know what John observed and what he wrote in the book of Revelations after Jesus opened the sixth scroll? It says that heaven went silent. And all the prayers of the saints and all the prayers of the believers were offered and brought to the altar of God as an incense and a a sweet aroma. And God, he just lets the prayers envelop him. Are you praying? Every prayer that's ever been, been offered up to God, God will hear in that moment for a half hour. The eternal God can hear every single person's prayers that were ever spoken or uttered in a half hour. And then it says that God hurls those prayers at the earth and that is the last moment of mercy and grace before Jesus opens the seventh seal and after that seventh seal then you will read it opens to seven trumpets of judgment and then seven bowls or vials of judgment who wants to learn more? I'm running out of time I'm gonna put that on you. I'm trying to give you. I'm trying to motivate you. Come on, get in that word, and I want to give you as many answers as possible. But but you gotta be a student of the word, right? And, and and when 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 Jesus opens that seventh seal, the trumpets are the judgments, and that's when the the, the lakes and the water will turn fiery blood red, and and animals and the millions and thousands will begin to die, and people will be hiding in caves and rocks, begging God to kill them because they're going to be broke out in boils and sores, and they're going to have no hope, and there will be no truth. And that's why I believe Jesus will rapture his church before all of that. Look at that next point. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, will usher in the great tribulation, bringing judgment to the whole world. The The great tribulation is the beginning of Christ's return. It's a sign of the signs of signs to come. I've already hopefully talked you into seeing the signs that are happening around us. What signs do I need to look for, Pastor? I pretty much shared them all. The signs of when when you see somebody saying we're going to... Commit to a seven year peace treaty with the nation of Israel, you better be perk up because that's Daniel 9. There's some more homework. Go read Daniel 9 this week. Speaking of the Antichrist, he will ride in with the promise of peace and he'll be charismatic and he'll accomplish that peace for seven years. And then he will abuse that power for personal gain. When you begin to hear gossip of world. Wars which we're already in. There's Ukraine's in a war. Israel's in a war. There's rumors of China and Iran and North Korea and South Korea. We're just in the middle of it all. Famines. You know, people are starving around the globe. Earthquakes, natural disasters, disease, poverty, and as I said, a a shift of power from the West to the East. Look at Matthew 7, 13 through 14. I want to share all this to tell you, you have hope now. I know all those things sound dark and they don't sound Christmasy. but if you know Jesus, there's hope. Right? We should expect these things and see these things for what they are. That Jesus didn't lie and he, he came to warn us. Right? Look at 13. You can enter the God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is what? Broad. And the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very, someone say very, very narrow and the road is difficult. And only a what? Few find it. Are you living a narrow pointed life? Or are you living a broad life where anything goes? Anything is what it is? Or do you have purpose? Do you know truth? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. You know what I know about the good shepherd? Another name of Jesus? He's the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the good shepherd. The good shepherd sets parameters for his sheep. Not just to say, don't do that because I say so. He says, Don't do that because I love you, because I care for you. I want to protect you. Don't go there. Go go here. And he corrects us and guides us. Just as you parents do for your kids when they're small. We're working on this with Xander. He wants, he's so smart. And he's, he's so just picks up on everything. We gotta to explain to him. We gotta dial everything. You can't do that quite yet because you can get hurt. It's not that we don't love him, not that we don't want the best for him. We're actually saying, you can do that one day, but you got to wait, right? The good shepherd sets parameters for his sheep. Look at that last point for today. The thing about concerning end times events, and we're going to dive into each one, as I said, as the weeks go on. They're all rooted in redemption and hope for those who know truth. The great tribulation brings an end time for the Gentiles, and it sets in motion God's final redemption for the Jews the nation of Israel, and the city of Jerusalem. As I said, upon the beginning of the Great Tribulation, when Jesus begins to open the seals on these scrolls, and the Great Tribulation begins to take, its events begin to take effect in creation, the moment of the Gentiles is is coming to an end, and it's all about God's chosen people. Isn't it amazing how it started with God's people, the Jews, and it comes full circle, and it ends with the Jews. The Jews. Help me, Holy Spirit. Um, Paul, in Romans chapter 11, I'm paraphrasing. He, he says that his ministry, God saved him and redeemed him to spread the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Paul was the highest high priest you could, you could be in the Jewish faith. But he, he recognized Jesus as Lord and Messiah. And he said, he, he spoke of this. He said, a day will come, I'm paraphrasing. If you wanted more homework, go read chapter 11 in Romans. Paul said that the day of the Gentiles will, will come to an end. They've been grafted in to the nation of Israel. And he said, even at the last hour, all, somebody say all, of the nation of Israel will be saved. And Revelation said 144,000 Jewish believers will be, that will be left behind after the rapture of the church will be the only people that are speaking and preaching truth and anybody Responsible for entering into the kingdom of God will be done before those 144,000 souls, and they'll all be Jewish people. Look at Matthew 24 30 through 36, and I'm going to close. As I tiptoed around the rapture a little bit, one of the most controversial topics in scripture, you have people that believe in pre, post, mid, right? Post tribulation, they believe God will rapture the church pre, before the great tribulation. Some believe in the middle of the great tribulation. Some believe at the end, post-tribulation, at the end of tribulation, then God will rapture his church. I've kind of been praying and asking God. I used to lean towards pre-tribulation. The more I seek his word and pray, I feel like it's actually going to be in the middle, somewhere of along those lines where Jesus is opening those seven seals. And actually, I believe it's right after Jesus opens the seventh seal, I'm, I'm leaning and believing towards. That's when Jesus is going, right after God hurls all the prayers at the earth. I think then, right as he opens the seventh seal, it's, it says that the, the first trumpet, the angels sound the trumpet. And it reminded me of a scripture. And this is why I believe that God will rapture his church mid in the middle of the great tribulation. I want to read it with you. All that stuff's debatable, but did you know even Jesus said he doesn't know the time or day or hour. So we can have discussions and argue and fuss about who's right or who's wrong. Not even Jesus knows, okay? so But look what Jesus says. It's exciting. Look at verse 30. It says, Then we will appear the sign, we're talking about signs, of the Son of Man in heaven, And then all the peoples on earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet. A what? A loud trumpet call. If you do your homework, you'll see that after Jesus opens the seventh seal, the first trumpet sounds. I share that little, that's that's a, a nugget of truth that I feel the Holy Spirit gave to me to give to you. You read it. You pray about it and you see where the Holy Spirit leads you. But he says, then a loud trumpet will call. And they will what? Gather his elect from four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, then you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that is near. Right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. And I told you what he said about heaven. Look what he says. Heaven and earth will what? Pass away. But my what words will never pass away. And this is what he says. But about that day of rapture or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And if you believe Jesus, don't lie and you believe Him to be true, and you believe what we read today to be true, to be a sign of the signs of the signs, then you better get right now. Pastor Ian, this is not a Christmas message. Yes, it is. Jesus couldn't do all that we just talked about if He didn't at first. He came because he loves you, but he also came to rapture his church. And he also came so he could prove himself worthy to open the scrolls. And he also came so that he could come on the clouds and cut his church up into the air. And he also came for the for the war in the army of Armageddon to fight real evil with real truth and power and justice. And he couldn't accomplish all that if he didn't first come as a baby in swaddling clothes in a manger. It's all good. Say that with me. It's all, it's all good. good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, forgive me for going a little long today. A lot in your word to digest today. I pray you would, as we talk about these real life events to come, it be discouraging and despairing to talk about the world and the way it's trending, but we cannot be surprised. Let us enter into that narrow gate of life, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, love, and hope, and encouragement. Let us go through that narrow gate of faith. And No matter what the world may look like, we know that it says, you have overcome the world. Let us live in that strength today. You're good and faithful. If you've been born again and you're in this daily relationship with your Savior, I want you to pray for the lost world right now, please. Pray for the lost, hurting, dying, deceived world. But if you're here today or you're watching this online, you say, Pastor Ian, as you end today, I I feel like I got to get right. There are so many things in my life. If Jesus came, what's going to happen if Jesus comes today? Is he going to say, enter in my good and faithful servant? Are you going to enter into heaven or are you going to, is you going to hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you? And if you hear that ladder in your head or your heart right now, only you know that to be true based according to the way you've lived. That's us change that. It's so easy. All you got to do is ask for forgiveness and ask God to come live and dwell inside you. And he forgives you and he picks you up. And it begins to transform your life. And so, if you want to make that prayer today, uh, no one's judging you. We're excited for you because you're, you're going from being blind to being able to now see. You're going from being bound and now have freedom in Christ. And so, if you want to pray to accept Jesus Christ today, I want you to do one or two things. You can just lift your hand up right now, really high. Say, hey, uh, that's me. Or if you want to stand up, you can do that. Lift your hand up or stand up. One of the two. I want to give you a few moments. A few moments. If you're watching us online, amen, I see that hand. Keep it up for just a moment. If you're joining us online, put something in the chat so we see you, so we know that you're praying this prayer with us, and we want to pray with you online also. Amen. If you raise that hand, I want you to know God loves you. There's nothing you've done that makes, that surprises him or makes him mad at you. He, he wants to reconcile you, amen. He wants to reconcile you. Amen, Lord, that hand. I want to pray over all of us. I want to lead everybody in a prayer. Let's repeat it loud and proud together. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We believe in you. We confess that Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. And send your Holy Spirit to redeem my future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Who's mad at me for going long? Nobody? Well, praise God. I love you. Amen. Uh, Y'all are officially dismissed. All right. Y'all have a safe Sunday. Come back next week if you enjoyed today. We'd love to have you. Bring some family and, and friends with you. It's Christmas time, people are open to coming to church.